This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 19th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court has approved, with some restrictions, the broad use of drug-sniffing dogs during traffic stops. The ruling comes before another ruling on whether the use of such dogs constitutes a Fourth Amendment search. Jim Harper, Director of Information Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, lays out the facts. The war on drugs has done nothing if not tear down the protections of the Fourth Amendment. And the court's ruling in Florida versus Harris doesn't turn that around, unfortunately. Uh, in the case, uh, the defendant, Clayton Harris, was pulled over by uh, Deputy Sheriff William Wheatley in the Liberty County, Florida area. Uh, Wheatley perceived to Harris to be visibly nervous, noticed the fact that there was an open beer on the console, and asked to, for permission to search. Harris denied him permission. So Wheatley went back and got his drug-sniffing dog, Aldo, and walked the dog around the car. Aldo alerted on the passenger side door handle, giving Wheatley what he believed to be probable cause to search the vehicle. He did search the vehicle, and he found 200 pseudoephedrine pills, 8,000 matches, a bottle of hydrochloric acid, two containers of antifreeze, and a coffee filter full of iodine crystals. Harris was not going on a picnic. He was cooking meth. Breaking Bad, as they say. Uh, these were not uh, substances that Aldo was trained to find, though. And nonetheless, he was arrested. Uh, while out on bail, Sheriff Wheatley pulled Harris over again and again walked Aldo around the car, finding that Aldo reacted again to the passenger side door. This time, searching the car, he didn't find anything. Uh, so long story short, uh, Harris's attorneys in, in, uh, in, at trial uh, sought to suppress the, the use of the dog because the dog was obviously uh, reacting on the car no matter what, whether their drugs were present, whether they weren't, whether uh, the drugs that the dog was trained to find were there or not, so on and so forth. The defense counsel focused on the certification and performance uh, data about Aldo, the dog, as the, the sort of defect in the, in the state's case. Uh, and the trial court allowed the evidence in. Harris was convicted. But the Florida Supreme Court adopted the defense's argument and actually made a rule that in order to generate probable cause via drug-sniffing dog, you need to actually use um, a variety of, a, a variety of uh, evidence, but including field performance records on, on the part of the dog. Well, the Supreme Court reversed this in a unanimous decision, uh, the, the Florida versus Harris case, and basically found that the courts should consider all the factors that are relevant. And there are many. There's the training of the dog. There's the potential that the dog and the operator of the dog uh, consciously or subconsciously interact in ways that cause the dog to wrongly signal. There is the question of whether uh, drug remnants may be on a car, maybe what happened in, in this case of Harris, uh, if, if not the drugs that, that Aldo was trained to find, drug remnants uh, might be there, and maybe that's probable cause, maybe that's not. It should be a factual inquiry in all cases. There are a lot of different uh, uh, really logical puzzles when it comes to unpacking evidence when a drug-sniffing dog is used because sometimes they will uh, falsely alert. Sometimes they will falsely fail to alert. 
uh, whether they're well-trained, whether this, the interactions between the officer and the dog, and lots of other circumstances, including nearby noise, other distractions, so on and so forth. Basically, I think the, the upshot of this is that courts are going to have to consider all the facts rather than taking as a given that drug-sniffing dogs are proof positive that drugs are present. People who like privacy probably aren't much heartened by uh, this ruling, but you have said the fact that Kagan wrote this unanimous opinion uh, may bode well if she is, in fact, the author of the opinion in a case that you've worked on, Hardeen's. There's lots of Supreme Court tea leaf reading out there, and I don't claim to be a very good one, a good reader of, of Supreme Court tea leaves. But it seems likely, given that uh, Harris and a companion case, Florida versus Jardines or Hardeen's, were heard on the same day, that one of the justices might take on the role of drug-sniffing dog expert because there is a lot of technical information to consume about how the dogs work, how they are trained, and so on and so forth. So Justice Kagan's questioning in in oral argument of the Jardines case was strong, I thought, and so I'm hopeful that uh, perhaps she's writing both opinions. One might have expected both opinions to come out on the same day as, as real companions, but the issues are quite different. The evidentiary value of a drug-sniffing dog is the uh, issue in Florida versus Harris, Jardines, which we'll wait, wait for the decision on, uh, that's really about whether or not a drug-sniffing dog is a Fourth Amendment search, and that's a very different question. So uh, the hope is that Kagan is writing both uh, because she was smart, I think, in her questioning about uh, drug-sniffing dogs in the Kagan in, in, in the Jardines case. It, big picture here, though, I, I talked to Tim Lynch and some others about the Kentucky v. King case, which was the generation of essentially uh, hot pursuit, that is police being able to kick in a door, they smell marijuana, they pound on the door, they hear rustling, they're able to kick the door in. Uh, this case also uh, seems to, uh, if I were to put, a, put a, a tag on it, would just say this is going to predominantly affect poor people more than it would others. Oh, absolutely. I think start to finish, uh, the drug laws predominantly affect poor people. Poor people are pulled over more often. Look, their cars will be in disrepair or, or their uh, – so, so a taillight violation, which was actually the reason Harris was pulled over the second second time, you'll, you'll get violations like that. Uh, the the uh, poorer people more often than I think the wealthy probably will have a beer can on the console and give just – give officers reason to suspect them so that officers can, can ratchet these cases up. Uh, that's an unfortunate truth. It's, it's. I think the ultimate, uh, the ultimate responsibility lies with the drug war, which has given police uh, such a habit of of taking ordinary traffic stops and using them to ratchet up. If there's a a, a silver lining in the in this cloud, it wasn't a, a positive case for privacy or or the Fourth Amendment. If there's a silver lining, it gets away from some past Supreme Court uh, dicta in which the court treated drug-sniffing dogs as pretty much proof positive that there were drugs present. The court's language had assumed drug-sniffing dogs to be infallible. This sets up uh, the circumstances where courts will examine these. Perhaps defense counsel will get good at cross-examining law enforcement officers about the training, about their interactions, about distractions and other things that could lead juries and judges to doubt the existence of probable cause leading to these searches of people's vehicles. Jim Harper is Director of Information Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.